Alright, you ready? Uh, yeah. Awesome. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Welcome to Shh, We're Reading Dirty Books. This is Kalina. And this is Salette. And uh, we are back for episode uh, 59. Yay! As you guys probably guessed, we are still quarantined and in our separate recording studios. Well, i.e. bedroom. Yeah, Kalina's in dinner, but I'm in my kid's bedroom underneath his bunk bed. <laughs> I've got their blankets up and there are um, Paw Patrol and Minions staring at me right now. That's good. They're about to be shocked. Oh. <laughs> They're gonna hear some shit. <laughs> They're gonna be like, "Oh my god, I never knew." The poor minions are gonna happen. be so scandalized. <laughs> Paw Patrol knows what's up, but you know, Banana? Paw Patrol knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those dogs. <laughs> those dogs I don't know. know. They don't I don't even know. Oh, <laughs> sure. uh, it's awesome. So, how have you been? Been okay. It's uh, weird times, weird mm-hmm. fucking times. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky, still have a job, go to work. Uh, I actually have to go to work still. <laughs> we're, we're considered essential and frontline type of employees. So it's good in one sense. It's also just crazy busy. So I'm ex- exhausted and stressed. And on top of it all, everything's very uncertain. Nobody knows what's going on really or how it's going to end there doesn't seem to be a very clear you know end for this it's mm-hmm. not like it's going to disappear one day and we can all go back to living life it has to pretty much be different for a while i think so that's scary yeah i'm doing okay mm-hmm. you know i feel lucky because i have i haven't lost a lot of stuff like a lot of other people have yeah and you're able to still work and and do all of that yeah same for me i'm working from home and the boys get to do school i'm still in school and Dan's essential he's out doing his job but yeah pretty lucky in the sense that we get to still truck on and, and do what we do we're trying to order out food so we can get the girl hub drivers some work and some restaurants some money like we're just trying to do our part in supporting and also flattening the curve so hopefully by the time this comes out it'll uh it'll be a lot closer to going down or to disappearing yeah, it should be yeah. I hope yeah but yeah. that we're doing we're just following yeah. the order and, doing really what we and this is so different for us because we usually see each other once a week. And oh, so, yeah. Occasionally we'll go two weeks. Yeah, occasionally. More than that. <laughs> no. I mean, and especially you and I because we do this. And now it's even hard to, like, do chat even. It is. Because work is so busy that I don't even have time to stop. I don't even have time to do our books. I <laughs> You were supposed to record like four days ago, and I was yeah. like, I haven't finished. I can't. <laughs> I don't have – I'm on four hours of conference calls a day. I don't have time to listen to an audio book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same for me. Work is – I've been actually – I think I feel like I'm busier now than I have been even when I'm in the office. I think it's because all of our meetings are now like on conference, and before it was okay for us to just call in – to dial in, put in our code, and sit back and listen and watch them do the presentation or go over the meeting or nothing or anything. But now they want to see our faces, <laughs> so so they're like, get on video. So we're all getting on video, and you know, people have their cats jumping up on the table and like dogs barking. My kids are in the background trying to show off their swords. I'm like, okay. <laughs> There's so many kids in the background so of conference many. calls right now. It is really ridiculous. It's amazing. <laughs> oh We're just running God. around screaming. Mm-hmm. 
completely detached from their normal routines oh, and yeah. <laughs> way of life, and it's weird. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, hopefully we'll get back to it soon. So, uh, again, we apologize for the recording if it sounds kind of funny. Kalina and I are doing Skype this time. We did Hangouts last time, and that was really airy, and it didn't sound as good as it could have sound sounded. Yeah. Or it sound like my English bad. Um, so we're going to try this. This is what we tried with Esther and we felt like that felt or sounded good. So hopefully, yeah. uh, hopefully it sounds good to you guys on, on your end. So let's, uh, let's start off with a quickie. Ooh. All right. So if you could make one piece of art, be it a sculpture or a painting or whatever it is, come to life, what would you choose? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I did. I had a couple initial thoughts, but then I was like, "Is that a smart move or not?" <laughs> like, I think it'd be really hilarious if Michelangelo's David comes to life because that thing's fucking huge, oh, huge, and he <laughs> like, wouldn't know what to do. He'd stomp around on everybody he and would. crush them <laughs> with no pants on. And, yeah, and <laughs> he'd just be really big. It would be funny. <laughs> I also feel like for this current time that we live in, um, Edward Monk's The Scream would be appropriate. Oh, my God. Oh, that'd be kind of scary, though. <laughs> oh, it'd be terrifying. I'm not saying that these are great ideas. No, that'd be so cool, but so scary. <laughs> things that popped into my head, and I was like, oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Shit, the only thing I can think of are imaginary ones, like gargoyles from Disney. <laughs> well, there's real gargoyles. Those would be fun, you know. Oh, my God. Yeah, they would be fun, only because they're good gargoyles. They're nice gargoyles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that tapestry of the lady with the unicorn. That would be fun, because then there'd be a unicorn in the world. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some or any Lisa Frank. Oh, my God, any yes. I want That's all it. the colorful That's kittens. It. We and nailed the it. Unicorns. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> Dolphins yes. and rainbows. Yes. <laughs> so all Lisa Frank work needs to come to life they and then we'll just be in and a better world. They would make us all so happy. <laughs> Let's make Lisa Frank come to life. Oh yeah, that's the best idea you've had ever. Alright. Done. All right, good. <laughs> now we'll, we can move on. We'll make that happen. <laughs> Alright. So, for this episode, we read the Stone Warriors book, the first book in that series, called Damien, by D.B. Reynolds, and it was narrated by Tor Tom. Yes. And Clitz notes away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, basically... Uh, This book is about uh, Cassandra. She is an FBI agent that has been recruited into a special group that does hunting and investigations of, like, magic and arcana um, objects. And she tries to go around the country collecting magical objects that would be dangerous if they fell into the wrong hands. So she's on a hunt for a medallion? No. No. What do they call it? It was an artifact. What was it? Uh... Yeah. Was it a medallion? <laughs> no, it wasn't a medallion. They had no, a it wasn't a medallion. It. it was something else. Anyway, whatever. Something. <laughs> and so <laughs> she finds it and she's trying to escape, but there was a, like hellhounds on her heel. The, the, the people who had it obviously had more magical knowledge than her intelligence had told her than her intel had said so she's on the run she's shot she's on the roof of this building and there's a statue there with a knife no with a sword 
and she is holding on to him while she kind of surveys where her pursuers are and bleeds a little bit on him and says, man, I wish you were here to help. I really need mm-hmm. I need some assistance. And then she goes off and tries to get away with the object that she's stolen. And all of a sudden, there's this guy, big, giant, uh, muscled man with a sword in the alley with her. And he kills all of her attackers. And he helps her get away. Now, she doesn't recover the amulet or whatever it was. That's what it is. Amulet? It's an amulet. Okay. (laughs) That's Because you said medallion. And it's not medallion. I think it's amulet. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So she doesn't recover the amulet. They do get it back. But her and this now muscle-bound, swords-wielding warrior, (laughs) he helps her get back to a hotel and clean her wound. And he says something about there was a blood debt that he owed her because she freed him from the statue. So it turns out he was the statue. And (laughs) her blood and her wish for him to come to life made him come to life. So now he uh, is with her. She kind of explains what her job is. She doesn't trust him fully in the beginning. He explains that he used to uh, be a warrior for this guy named Nicodemus, and he was trapped as a statue for millennia, and now he's back. He needs to find Nicodemus and figure out where his brothers are and you know, do all that stuff. And she thinks it might be her boss, but she's not sure because, well, she thinks it would be her boss's like great, 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 great grandfather or whatever. But she doesn't assume it's the same guy because that's a millennia, right? Mm-hmm. But um, so they go, they investigate some stuff. They keep trying to track down this amulet. They meet Nick. They have a lot of sex. <laughs> they get busy pretty quickly. Yep. That's pretty awesome. And that's like a good chunk of the book is that. So, you know, the stuff we like, the stuff that makes us happy was about 95% of the book. And then maybe about 5% of the book was, you know, them recovering the (laughs) same. Which eventually they get, I think. Yeah. And then (laughs) some other stuff happens. And there's other stories and whatever. But at the end of the day, they have sex. Yep. Over and over again mm-hmm. in hotels. In really nice sounding hotels. Yeah, they've got some really good hotels out. Where, where were they again? The Midwest. They were, yeah, somewhere over there. Not over here. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, they were like in the Chicago area. Okay. So, yeah, sex, sex, sex. Damien. This is a type of books, actually, sort of like we started with that we like to talk about because it's pretty good. Now, I do have to say that I did finish this book almost a week ago because we were supposed to record. I'm not I'm not faulting you, trust me. No, you should. It's fine. But, no. <laughs> and of course, you guys know my memory is not that at all. It is the lack of memory. So I'm going to struggle remembering some parts of this book. But I do know that I like it a lot and that I do want to continue on with the series. So I'm actually, we're going to put the second book back on our list and get back to it at a different time because I like it. I don't know. I want to know what happens. I want to meet all of the the story warriors. So like the pattern is there are at least three other warriors trapped in stone somewhere Mm -hmm. like that as statues that they have to find and have to be freed somehow from their curse. Yeah. And uh, that's going to be each book until, you know, they're all free, and then they eventually will defeat the bad, evil sorcerer guy. The bad guy, whose name we don't remember. We don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) For the bad guy's name. Well, it was a hard... It wasn't a name. It It was. Yeah, it wasn't a normal name to begin with. No, it was like... It started with an S, and that's about all I know about it. Oh, Satiris. Satiris! That's all you have to say. There we go. <laughs> I remembered something. Yes. 
Satiris. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, if they're anything, if the rest of the warriors are anything like Damien, I'm fucking for it, man. I'm for it. Yeah. He was such like, a cool dude. <laughs> he was. He was really neat. He was not overly masculine, like, blockheady. Mm-hmm. He didn't treat Cassandra with, like, jealousy and possession or dominance. Like, he really, you know, and he's a leader. He's he's meant to lead, and she's like, this is my mission. And so they, mm-hmm. they would bump heads a bit on some things, but he would, like, let her do her shit and just show her why he was probably the better one to actually lead. <laughs> Yeah, but he would let her. He would let her do all that stuff. There were times where he's like, uh, women back in my day never did any of that kind of stuff. And she's like, I don't give a shit. And he's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Then you do it. He was always there for her, protected her. He was just, he was really a a different kind of crazy muscle, like millennia old warrior than the other ones we've met. I'm mostly comparing it to like the Lords of the Underworld series. Thinking of exactly those guys. And I'm like, Maddox could learn a thing or two from Damien. <laughs> <laughs> always comes down to Maddox. <laughs> it is. It's always Maddox. <laughs> but yeah, they, uh, instead of being immobile in his viewpoints, he does seem very, like, flexible. Yeah, like, he's okay, always... I'll learn. I'm up to learn. That's exactly what it is. He's always up to learning. He was up there just listening to people that would just stand next to him, have conversations about any and everything. So he... He learned a lot from being a statue. He just just listened to the world grow by him. And yeah, and he was always like, I think at first he was, I kind of thought he was going to be sort of a Maddox type. Where Absolutely. All business and so serious and so I'm man, you woman type of thing. But that dissipated pretty quickly. He became yeah. very playful and he was just very funny. He was gentle too. Like yeah. he, she had a bullet wound in the beginning and he helped take care of it, like pull the shard of stone or whatever out of her wound and clean it and dress it and you know help her get dressed and stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> it was good it was fun and yeah he was he had a he had a sense of humor towards the end like he would it, it came out more over time as he as we got to know him and as cassandra and him spent time together yeah because he is pretty arrogant in certain oh, yeah. respects and like he thinks yeah. he's pretty hot shit yes. and he's like i am you know <laughs> pretty women love me i'm he's beautiful like, i bed women and i'm strong and hot and he's like six four or something ridiculous they all are yeah i mean and she she's almost six foot so like she's pretty tall too but yeah, it's a it's a really cool dynamic that DB wrote between these two because it's pretty amicable. Is that a word? Like I know that's a word, but is it the right word? What am I trying to say? Yeah, it's like even though he knows that he is stronger and faster and way older than her because he's a warrior and magical, he has magic, and I I kind of feel like she does too. Well, he doesn't have magic. What does he have? He's just really powerful, right? Well, he may or may not be real. <laughs> Because he was... He may have been created. Yeah, so Nico... By magic. Yes, he was was made by magic. Whereas Casey sort of has this ability to be able to recognize or feel where artifacts and amulets or whatever... She can sense magical signatures. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, especially on objects. Yeah. So I feel like she's got a little bit of magic in her. And and he oh, yeah. just he was made of magic. Nico sort of created him with just his mind. I don't Either know. He created him or he pulled him out of space and time 
to be his friend. Yeah. <laughs> he was a kid when he did that. They were both children at this time. So yeah. this was, you know. So yeah, he has something. So he's he's supernaturally powerful cuz he heals better, he's faster, he mm-hmm. learns like he can pick up any weapon and know how to use it regardless of, you know, time or yeah. place. Like right obviously guns weren't around before he became a statue, but he is instantly a gun aficionado and yeah. he can hit things. So he's fine, you know, he's got it. <laughs> he's but no, they do get a, they have a very good rapport with each other and she teaches she's teaching him about modern era and you know things that are going on and he's kind of helping her understand what the magic is that they're looking for and the bigger picture of things they both have trust issues though so that starts to get in the way of their relationship over time yes absolutely that that actually comes in a lot well like casey had just left or i don't know how long ago but she has an ex-husband and he was pretty much a dirtbag and so she's got this huge huge issue in relationship with trust well she it goes back to her father who seemed to right yeah he was some kind of military figure and he treated his kids as if they were soldiers Soldiers. instead of like you Mm -hmm. know children (laughs) your children she was raised as a soldier by a father who was probably not very loving and not yeah. very caring or attentive. And then, yeah, she got married and her father or her husband competed on her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was pretty awful. So she has issues with men and she likes to work alone. Mm-hmm. And so at first she struggles with Damien being around because she's like, I don't trust him. I don't, you know, I want to do this my way. And he wants to do it other ways, and it's hard. And then once they start sleeping together, she's still like, well, this is... Well, because it's pretty obvious, he's mentioned it, that he had a lot of lovers in yeah. his in his life, that he never settled down. He never, you know, stayed with any woman very long. They were all just good for one or two... settings. Yeah, sex, yeah. and they move on. Yeah. And so she's like, I can't trust him. I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to let my heart out. Mm-hmm. And so naturally, as they get closer, she starts to try to push him away yes. and be all like bitchy to him so that he will go away and she won't have to love him. And he sort of returns that, I think, a little bit later on. So the underlying story is that they find out that her boss, whom she loves, because she's worked with him for a while and his name is Nico, is but actually... She romantically. No, not, not romantically, right? Just as a... Just a... Yeah. She trusts him, she and trusts he him, and she, she has because he saw her potential with the the power things that she can sense. Instead of mm-hmm. thinking she was weird, yeah. he used he sees it and he, he values it. So he has value for her, and she like appreciates that because otherwise she feels like a weirdo. Well, and just treated like another soldier, like her dad and her ex husband hadn't treated her. So she she wants to protect Nico, who she's like keeping them sort of away from each other because she doesn't trust Damien enough to tell Nico about it. But she does say, "This is what's happening. I have this guy here, and he's like, you have my brother." And she's like, "I don't trust him. You can't have him." <laughs> so she kind of just like doesn't let them meet at first because she wants to make sure that Damien isn't there to hurt Nico because she's she thinks she's protecting him and I mean I guess she is but Damien wants to find Nico too because that's his brother and so like they have this really it's so cute I think it's a really cute relationship between Nico and Damien I think it's so beautiful you might hear 
baby footsteps in the recording because they're just fucking running up and down the hallway. <laughs> so sorry about that. Um, so that's another part of the trust issue there is she's like, I don't trust you well enough to get you to who you say is your brother, which is my boss that I love and that I respect and, and stuff. But then they finally meet again. So there's that whole relationship and underlying story of the brothers getting back together, trying to figure out this artifact, this amulet, and then figuring out where the rest of their brothers are so they can release them. But yeah, yeah. trust issues are fun. That seems to be a, a fun thing to write about. <laughs> I mean, I think it's it makes for good twists and turns in books because you don't want anyone, you know, it's not believable if any love story is too easy or too without any hitches. Sure. Right? Because people don't just meet and fall in love without any kind of, Trust. Uh, you know, up or down. Yeah, exactly. So, and most of the characters we read about have some kind of history or trauma in their lives, which would result in them having issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's good because at one point... Casey just starts yelling at him and like pushing all of his buttons to like make him as mad as possible until he gets so mad that he like shuts down and Damien just basically doesn't talk to her for a while Mm -hmm. and they still have to keep working together they're still like solving a case but quietly and like without their normal interplay of you know conversation and jocularity and so it's a hard that's an awkward period in the book (laughs) yeah I mean she actually definitely starts to do like a different part throughout the book where she just self-sabotages the relationship to find ways for her not to fall into this love that she's falling into she doesn't want to get hurt she doesn't want to trust him that way she doesn't want to get there in the relationship with him even though they're like totally fucking you know and and <laughs> so and, much and there's so much and they're like uh, they're beyond that point where it's just physical you know they both care for each other and they're both allowing these you know emotions to happen the the good thing about their dynamic is even though she makes him mad and she says these things she just keeps egging him on and making him feel this way if they are in a rut or in trouble or anything like that, he's still there for her and he still saves her and he still helps her. Well, not saves her, but he still yeah, helps her. Yeah, I mean, her. he does literally get her out of a burning building, so he saves her. I don't remember that one. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh, when she was captured and yeah. the guys tied her up and she, yes, okay, yeah, and she was tied to the chair. <laughs> yeah. In a burning house. In a build a burning house. Right, right, right. Okay. I mean, and she is getting herself out, too. She is definitely, she's a strong, capable woman. Oh, but yeah. at some point, when you're tied to a chair and you're trying to climb out a window that's like four feet up a wall, it's yeah. hard. <laughs> you need help. <laughs> you do need help. Yep. Was that, and then, was it after that incident where she was just like fucking broken and bruised and everything? And she's like, uh, I want you. And he's like, no, you're like really hurt. Was no, I think it was before. Or that it was a different one. <laughs> yeah, it was a different one where she insisted that they still have sex even though she was like she was so could barely keep her eyes yeah. open and was like tired. He's, he's all like, uh, no, you're sort of really hurt right now. She's like, fuck me. <laughs> he's like, okay, <laughs> okay, if you insist. Yeah, there's oh my god, there's so much sex in this book. It's fucking amazing i literally can't keep them straight <laughs> no i don't know what what came because the scenes are all just mm-hmm. they're really good and they just i'm like i don't remember which one was my favorite anymore because mm-hmm. i had been well and they do everything they did oh, yeah. everything that you can think that they did <laughs> they did they had <laughs> and it was like all in a hotel uh, like not a like multiple hotels in the shower in the bed and uh like i mean they did they did everything. They went down on each other. They did ass play. They did 
all sorts of fun teasing scenes and just like really, really good hot shit. <laughs> I <Yep>. think it's, <laughs> I mean, it's good. If you guys want to hear some um, good, um, and it wasn't like nasty, raunchy, like it was, I mean, it was intense. It was good. Like it wasn't, what am I trying to say? Erotica type of. Yeah, but it was, I know, it was I mean, good. It was well written. They were good scenes. They yeah, they were really good. Scenes. Made me very horny. <laughs> Yeah, it made me um, have to hit rewind a couple of times. <laughs> Audio or Audible kind of flipped out a little bit during this recording. Did it do it for you? No. So, like, you know how sometimes when you go to start your listening again, it'll say, you are here on other Android. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go there? And you always hit no, because then you would go to where I am at. I yeah, always yeah. hit no, and it took me, it always took me to the very beginning. Not to even where you were, but it took oh. me straight to the front. So then for, oh. like... A long time there, I had to write down where I was or remember where I was. Yeah. So that when it did kick me back, I can go back to the right spot. Oh, wow. Four four times it did that to me. And I was like, shit, what the (laughs) fuck's going on? And so then I had to, like, find my spot again. And then for the next, like, three times it did that to me, I was able to remember where I was and went back. But then it it stopped. It was Hmm. weird. I did not have that. But it didn't ask me ever if I wanted to go to where you were. Really? Yeah, normally it does. Yeah. Like when we're both listening, it's mm-hmm. like, you are currently at this place in a different device. Do you want to go there? And I go, no. Yeah. But it didn't ask me that at all when I was playing this. It just oh. let me just keep being where I was. That's interesting. Yeah, that was, uh, I would say, the most frustrating part of it. What do you think of the narrator? Poor Tom. Uh, pretty good. Mm-hmm. I liked, you know, I think he does a good job. It is hard... <sighs> You know, you got to do different voices, right? Yeah. So you just kind of pick them and you go with them. I was not a fan of his voice for Nicodemus, for Nico. <laughs> it was too deep and scratchy and, like, so forced sounding that I was just uh-huh. like, I don't want to hear anything Nick has to say about it. <laughs> also, I didn't think it fit with my version, like, my image of what a 3,000-year-old magical sorcerer would sound like. Magical. He would sound like... He belonged on the wire. (laughs) (laughs) Or, no, like, oh, I can't, oh, that's what it was. Okay, I don't know, because I don't watch enough wrestling to know the different characters, but there was a, when we were kind of, like, in high school, I want to say, there was a pretty famous wrestler, and he sounded exactly like this. Like, that's who he sounds like. I think it was the guy who had, like, I don't know. I'm John Cena? It's not John Cena. It's not him. It was, he had, like, sunglasses, I want to say, and, like, longer hair. Randy, uh, Macho yes. Man? Macho yes. Man Randy Savage? <laughs> oh, my that God, that's is, who you <laughs> That is who, no, that is who I feel like he was impersonating when oh, he was doing Nico's oh voice. Oh, my God, that's so funny. <laughs> and I was like, that's not what Nico was. Like. He didn't sound like, Randy, like Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, that is hilarious. Oh my god. I didn't so much have a problem with his voice on that. I thought of Negan from The Walking Dead, who, and I don't don't know know what the actor's name is, but he's fucking hot. And he's got that gravelly, growly voice. Mm -hmm. But I know what undertones you're talking about as far as the wrestler goes. (laughs) (laughs) And I can hear it too. (laughs) 
Oh my god, that's so funny. But you're right, yeah. he did great for everybody else. I didn't like his Satirus. Mm-hmm. And I know that Satirus is a bad guy, so of course he's going to sound snivelly and snaky and, and stuff yeah. like that. But he definitely made him sound yeah. whiny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He whiny, yeah. Which is, I mean, if that's how the character was supposed to be written and portrayed, then I get it. He did a really good job with it. I just don't like those voices. I, no. They're just really annoying. Yeah. But he did great. I liked him. Yeah, I did too. I really did. I just was like, oh, not Nico. Not, not a <laughs> macho man. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. So, yeah. Any Do other we want to talk about one of the sex scenes? Sure. Like, is there one that sticks out most to you that you can think of? I mean, there were there were so many. There were so, so many. Fucking many. And they were all so good. I mean, the one that stands out the most is the one I was most concerned about the whole time leading up to it was that she was so tired and she still was oh. like, no, to have sex. And I was just like, no, you're tired. Go to sleep. <laughs> okay, go to sleep. <laughs> but um, I think I liked... No, I just... Oh, no. They all were really, really good. They all were really good. A lot of them were just like, they'd fuck and then like two minutes later they'd fuck again and then they'd... Yes. Again. Yeah. There was a lot of that. <laughs> like, just over that? and over again, and I'd be like, damn, oh I'm exhausted. I'm not <laughs> running around Shit. with guns trying to, to push pause on my play because I'm tired of it. Not, well, I'm not tired of it, but I'm tired from hearing all of that. Like, it's just exhausting. I couldn't, there's no way I can run a marathon like that. Sorry. Never. No. Never, ever. Now, the one that sticks out to me is one of the shower scenes. Okay. I don't know which one. I don't know which point in time <laughs> in the story. I don't know what battle had just happened or what they just discovered. I mean, she she buys him a laptop so that he can do his own research and stuff, and he figures out how to use that right away and, like, reads up really quickly on all of this stuff and understands. He's, like, super smart, or he just adapts really quickly. He's magical. That's yeah, magical he's mad. power. He's super. He's super. But the shower scene where the ass play comes in is the one that got me. I was just like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that one's good, real good. Good. That one is good. I had to. I, I rewinded that one a little because I was like, "Wait a minute, did I hear that correctly?" Because it mm-hmm. was just, it was really quick and just very like there was. Because sometimes when we hear those scenes, it's kind of like, ah, ah, wait, no, hold on, <laughs> because <laughs> the girls never played that way before. But it didn't. It was real smooth and it just played out and it was fucking hot. It was really good. It was good. I think my favorite one was their first time because I really liked the whole bar scene beforehand. Oh, yeah. Um, So they were obviously like feeling some sexual tension with each other. But she was like, no, I'm on a mission. This is my deal. I got to do this. And he's like, I've been pent up in a statue for 500 <laughs> or millennia, however fucking many years, thousands of years. And I want to go out and do things. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't really want to let him out of her sight because she doesn't trust him yet. He just doesn't want to sit in the room and do research. She's still doing research. And she's like, fine, you know, I have stuff to do. And he's like, well, I'm going to go down to the bar. I don't want to sit here any longer. So she, so he leaves and she stays in the room for a little bit longer working on whatever. And eventually she's like, well, I don't want him to just go to the bar and pick up some other lady and have sex <laughs> with him. Like if she, if he's going to have sex with anyone, it should be with me. <laughs> she gets really like possessive of him and all of a sudden. And so she goes down to the bar and finds him sitting there on a, you know, bar stool with a lady next to him who's obviously chatting him up. She's all like hanging on him and yeah. talking to him and flirting real heavily. And he's not 
responding. Cassandra goes over to him and takes a sip from his drink and just says, oh, hi, it's, you know, so nice to meet you. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. It was a really cute, like, flirty scene because the woman's obviously upset because she's like, man, I was going to try to beg this guy and now had a girlfriend or something. And he just sits there. He doesn't play it up either way. He doesn't, like, Mm -hmm. try to make Cassandra look you know, foolish or not foolish or anything. He's just like, oh, what's going on? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they sit there for a little longer, and then she basically, like, drags him out of the bar. Yeah. And it's, uh, <laughs> She's like, what the fuck? It's the, hotel, it's the elevator, which she avoids elevators at all costs because yeah. she's got phobia about spaces, something with her dad locking her in closets or yeah. something. And then uh, the sex scene in the room is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, you're getting going. And then he just like bends her over the bed and yeah. fucks her. It's really hot. And it mm-hmm. just is like, yeah. It's good stuff. It's so good. It's good stuff. I know that we've had this conversation about it before. And I know that they're not strangers. They had, well, I mean, they're still getting to know each other, but they've known each other for a couple of days. And obviously that little bit of trust is there. But to be brazen enough to just find a stranger at a hotel bar and just, you know, yeah. go into their room or invite them into your room just for like a quick fuck is so, I don't know. It's like, it's something that I wish that I, I had experienced at least once, but I know, I know. No, because I think everybody's a murderer. It just feels like so scary. Like, it's so scary. It is literally the plot of every murder mystery show. Like, like every criminal mind starts with some lady at a bar, then gets murdered. Some stranger (laughs) that is, like, the hottest person in the world. And then, yeah. Yeah, I would never be able to. It wouldn't be my thing, so... No. But, I, you know, I live vicariously through my books, right? There you go. And we read what we read. Exactly. That is why <laughs> we are doing this. We thrills, and then we can go home to our guys <laughs> and just be like, hey. <laughs> hey, pretend like you're this stranger on an elevator. <laughs> pretend like that girl's flirting with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that kind of brings up our fun fuck fact for the episode. We talked about the bar stuff. Yeah. So I can read that yeah. article that we have. Um, so we found an article on Bustle that is called The Best Places to Meet a One-Night Stand, According to a New Survey. And this was written in um, 2017 by Natalia Lucinski. And I just wanted to read that on their survey, they found that 11% of respondents think that hotels are great places for a good casual hookup. So, you know, that and that came in third of all of their options. You know, that was the third highest hookup place that people found for one night stands. So that's why. First two. I'm curious. um, The first one, the best, the place that most people find their one night stands are are on the street. What? (laughs) Apparently you're just walking on the street and then you go, hey, let's go have sex. Hey, let's phone. And the number two one is a bar or a party. Okay, I can understand that one. Completely. So it's like a party at a bar. Oh. Oh. Wait. Or Oh no. Bar, bar and party. They're two separate categories. They're, they they oh. they tied. They tied for a second. Sorry. So I just get it. like yeah, at a bar or at a party that you at end a party. up going to. Yeah, and that tied for second with 14% and then 11% said hotels are good places. So that's what like everyone who kept, all the ladies who kept coming up to Damien before Cassandra got there, we're looking to hook up with him for one night. Yeah. And, and normally his past life, he would have done it. But for some reason, he wasn't finding any of them up to his no. standards anymore. No. They were not attracting him the way he thought mm-hmm. they would mm-hmm. because he was already 
kinda in love with Missy. Yep, he was wanting. He, he was like, he loves his her round butt. We talked her about round, her, her her round butt a lot. Which honestly, I couldn't stop thinking about either. I'm like, I want to see her round butt. <laughs> that is really she, awesome. She is fake, but I want to see it. <laughs> Uh, what did you think of his description? Like what he looks like? Did you always pick people? So who do you think you were picturing? So here's the thing. It doesn't matter who you're describing. I mean, it really depends. But for the most part, I really do just make up my own person. This this one I didn't have a person for. I Mm. didn't have like a celebrity or anybody in for it. Normally I do. This is going to sound really weird. But to me, he was a statue almost throughout the whole (laughs) book. gray and color and like didn't blink i know it was weird it was i he should it was she was humanized of course but he was almost like colossal from (laughs) x-men you know who i'm talking about yeah (laughs) or not you from deadpool if you oh okay yeah yeah who who is he's an x-men but he's uh, in the x-men he's in deadpool Yes. The movie. He's a Marvel character, though. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, so, like, if you think about the Deadpool movies and Colossal, that's who I think about. He's just a stone character that's not a real person. So I didn't, that's who I thought of. I mean, he's hot, but. I think what kept throwing me off was he's described as blonde, and I don't know why I have a problem with that for adult men to be blonde. (laughs) I never picture blonde ever. No, if what is that? No, is that a real thing? Women, right? they exist in the world. They're always brunettes to me, always. <laughs> Unless you throw in a redhead, then I will take the redhead. But I, I will. I have no problem picturing women as blonde. Mm-hmm. I just have a real hard time with, especially these strong, muscly type. Because I think the only blonde haircut I can picture is one from my childhood, the blonde, the blonde bowl cut that all of the middle school guys <laughs> wore. <laughs> Right? And so I keep seeing that on these, like, six-foot-tall muscle men, and I'm just, like, thrown, and it doesn't look right, and I get very confused. So I hate it when any of them are described as blonde. Oh, my God. That's terrible. With the but that was, like, what everyone in middle school... You know the middle school haircut that I all know. of the white boy yes. blonde hairs, yes. Because they, they all had flat hair. It was greasy and it split down the middle. I know exactly what you're fucking talking about. And that's, yeah. like, when, when any of the authors are like, and he was blonde, I'm like, oh, that's no, not okay. No, not, he's brunette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I always picture them as that. I think that might have been, it was his height and it was his hair that instantaneously turned him into, a, like, a statue <laughs> for me. <laughs> If they've got, like, wavy hair and it's darker hair and, like, whatever color eyes, I instantly have somebody Mm -hmm. in my brain. Otherwise, it's just, like, Zach Morris the whole time. (laughs) You know? (laughs) (laughs) Because he was just blonde. He was the blonde. Yeah bombshell or whatever so right no. yeah oh that's hilarious okay that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's do our kiss and tell oh yay kiss and tell time okay 
So throughout this whole book, Casey is sort of battling with her emotions and how she's starting to feel for Damien. And he sort of is too, although he doesn't really say or talk about it much. But they do get it to a point where they're like, we can't get into anything right now, relationship-wise. This is not going to be for us. I have to work with Nico and finding my brothers, our brothers, and you have your job and all of this other stuff. So there's all these other issues and so she's like, okay, fine. So we don't have emotion for each other, which is stupid because people have emotions. Just a thing. <laughs> so the kiss and tell for today is going to be, have you ever been in a situation where you and a guy were like totally into each other and it got physical, but the relationship part of it, the emotional part of it sort of went to a halt and kind of put you guys at a stop because feelings and stuff started getting involved but you guys were still physical. You guys were still sleeping with each other and still talking and interacting and maybe not a couple, mm-hmm. but still, you know, doing mm-hmm. shit. Well, yeah, I had a, you know, time. It was a long time ago, but I was living with a person just as a roommate. And over time, eventually we, you know, got too drunk one night and things happened. And I immediately was like, Bass was not right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This shouldn't happen. And I was going through a lot at the time. I was in a pretty dark place with everything I was doing. You know, I you know didn't like what I was doing. I didn't understand where I wanted to go in my future or what, what I wanted to do with my life. And I think that it was too easy to use that, like, physical relationship to, you know, pretend like it was going to fix something, you know, when it, it wasn't. And so we, you know, we never really talked about it, but we kept doing it for a while. And eventually I just was like, this is a bad, this is not a, not a healthy place to be because there wasn't ever going to be a true relationship for us there. We were just kind of using each other. Mm-hmm. So I had to get out and I was like, I've got to, I've got to go. I'm just, just going to quit everything all at once <laughs> and <laughs> leave and start fresh completely somewhere else and do something else because it was it was unhealthy. It was a big ball of unhealthiness. So, so yeah, that, I've seen that. Did that pull you out of your rut? Do you think that helped you a little bit with, you know, the dark spot you're in or was that separate? No, I think it did. I think it it made me face the choice that I had to do that I had, couldn't stay there. I right. needed to leave. Okay. And so it made that choice easier because otherwise I could have. It could have convinced myself that everything else was fine. I just had one thing I needed to fix, but instead now I had fucked up everything. Uh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was a universal problem, and I was like, "Oh, I've just done throughout my whole life. <laughs> I have to start over." So, <laughs> so it was. So, but yeah, we had that kind of issue where we would quit. We'd be like, "Okay, we're not doing this. This isn't. You know, this, we're better. We don't need this. This isn't good for us." And we wouldn't for a while, and then we'd have. You know, we'd get really like drunk again and mm-hmm. physical again and you'd be like no yeah so but it wasn't like I mean obviously not the same as this story because the story they're actually good for each other <laughs> they're not like right right they were meant to be quote unquote well, faded they're probably. faded <laughs> she released him from his curse like there's I, that yeah. you, I don't think you released anybody from any curse I did it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I actually had two situations like that, I feel, that I went through, and one was with Julian, of course, 
and uh, the other one was with another guy that we went to high school with. The one with Julian, I think, was obviously the hardest one. He, so I started my freshman year in college. This is when I was at UNC and you were in Ohio, and Jimmy was somewhere in Wisconsin. Emily was in Alamosa. Like we were all far, far away from each other. Our 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 girlfriends were all far away from each other. And so he broke up with me freshman year a little bit before Christmas. But I still went out to see him in Portland and hung out there. And of course, you know, we were physical. We we were almost like a couple except for that we weren't a couple. And I still was very much in love with him. And I don't I don't know how he felt for me at that point. So that was really hard because we had that pivotal moment in our relationship where it was like he said, I just he just didn't want to be with me anymore for whatever reason which is whatever. But I still went out there and saw him, and I still allowed him to penetrate me. <laughs> terrible word. I'm sorry. I mean... It is what it is. But yep. And I mean that physically and mentally, emotionally. really. Emotionally. Yeah. Like, he did. He, he was a big part of that. But actually, that helped me when I got back. That was a good mm-hmm. realization that I uh, needed to focus on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, then the, the friend in high school, we just fucked around a lot. And when it came to, it was almost the opposite when it came to the relationship part of it, I did let him know how I felt and that I wanted to be in this relationship more and he didn't. So I left mm-hmm. and it wasn't, we decided that we weren't going to be a couple, but we were still fucking. It was, mm-hmm. we're going to be a couple and fuck, or we're not going to be a couple and we're not going to fuck. That's just yeah. how it was. So that was a little bit different. But yeah, yeah, but just a like kind of similar type of thing where mm-hmm. boundaries aren't really well set to begin with. Yeah, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, at some point, you realize you have to make some. Yeah, you either have to go for it like Damien and Cassandra did, where it's just like they fought it for a long time, but at the end, they both acknowledge that this is what they want. Like he's like, I don't want anyone else. I'm not out there looking for anyone else. I'm attracted yeah. to you. I want to be with you. You you are smart and you know strong and a warrior yourself and I just love you. So mm-hmm. they so they have to go for it. Or you decide, oh wait, what we're doing here is not real. It's not probably healthy for anybody yeah. involved. <laughs> yeah. Or there's usually always one person it's less healthy for than the other. Yeah. You know, the person like, with the feelings. Mm-hmm. It's ten, usually ten that guy, yeah. <laughs> who is suffering most. Uh so yeah, those are those are tough times. I mean, they're but they're relationships that I think a lot of people have to go through. It teaches yeah. you stuff. Like I didn't want to be the person who I was being mm-hmm. when I was there, and it wasn't right, and it wasn't who I thought of myself as. Yeah. And I realized I was making choices in a very self-destructive vein yeah. that I needed to be better than that, and I had to leave to do that. You know, and you can't better yourself if you don't make a realization about it exactly you have to yeah recognize that and guess what you'll never fucking do it again right absolutely not (laughs) i think you've learned that that's exactly right you have to it's unfortunately you have to go through these emotions you have to test them out and you have to really feel them and live them for you to get a good recognition of what it is that you see yourself or how you see yourself in a relationship when who you want to be really mm-hmm. as part of a relationship. So yeah, one of those things. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. That was emotional. <laughs> it was very mature. <laughs> we had a good mature conversation. Yeah. 
All right, so do we want to rate? And we should rate this book. I yeah. feel like it's pretty obvious that the <laughs> sex book is like a straight up 10. <laughs> yeah, there was numerous times where I was like, too sexy for work again. One of those cases where I'm like, well, I'm not, I shouldn't be listening to this right now. <laughs> too sexy for work? Are we, is that a new hashtag that we're going to have? <laughs> yes. <laughs> too sexy for work. <laughs> <laughs> and do you give that a 10 overall for sex and story? No, I feel like I think the story was good. Um, there were a couple of times where the pacing of it was a little slow for me. Like, I felt as if they either should have already found the thing and been done with that. <laughs> or, like, I mean, it just, there were, a, I understand it. She was giving herself more time to write sex scenes. <laughs> sure. So there had to be all the space in between when they found something mm-hmm. out and like learned something and you know went she after a different bad guy. Story besides just sex, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I went, I could, you know, it just the non-sex parts kind of were less interesting. Sure. I mean, I want to know more about the warriors. I guess I'm just less interested in Satori and Satiri. What was his name? Satiris. <laughs> Satiris and his whole deal. I understand that that's like you have to have a bad guy, but I think I just am more interested in like where are the other warriors and what are they doing. And obviously we'll sure. get that in the books. But um, so I'd say the the story is a solid like seven. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. It's just the sex is ten. Sex is in a ten. Oh it, no, it's. I definitely can give the sex on here a 10 also. I think the sex was so good. I just love that she hit, like, pretty much anything you could do. You're fucking doing it in this hotel room. As the story goes, I really enjoy this story. I think I'll give this one an 8. I do want to go back and listen to the rest of them and figure out the different characters and stuff like that, too. I want to meet the rest of the warriors. Yeah, so, I mean, that's good. So we're solidly in a leg. Sex 10, story 7, 8. That's good. You yeah. know, we recommend, I highly recommend it. Yeah, absolutely. So. I think it was a fun world to live in. It's also kind of different because they aren't vampires. Yeah. They aren't shooters. They are, I think, pretty much Nico's just like a magical wizard. Yeah. <laughs> right? He, yeah, he could just, he's got magic. He could just conjure up whatever. He created this person. <laughs> The guys are just strong and supernatural sorts, but it's not like it doesn't fit into a mold of all the other. Right. No, they have to be some kind of special, like like the boxes that we've read before. Yeah. Something new. So that's good. So that was fun. I enjoy it. We haven't had a vampire in a long time. Have you noticed that? We haven't had a vampire in a long time. It's been a while, right? Oh my god! It's been really long. (laughs) Let's see. Oh my god! You're right. We've had dragons and well, cougars and dragons. The in mi- Forbidden Bonds, they're kind of vampires. I knew you were going to say that, and I don't know <laughs> if I... I mean, they are kind of vampires, you're right, because they are blood eaters. But they're not. They're not. I don't the Ikorians? The Ikorians. No. Okay. Oh, no, you're right, they are. They, they okay. live off of blood. But they're not vampires. Okay. They're not our traditional vampires. They aren't. They aren't. You're right. Yeah. So it's it's been a really long time. We should probably read a vampire. We should read a vampire book, I think. This next one isn't, though, is it? No, it is not. (laughs) (laughs) So 
who knows? We'll get to them That's, eventually. We'll you know, we did a lot There's in a row. So. so many. That's true. We did. And then they were abundant in when we first started. Um, which brings us to our next book, which is going to be Fallen Academy Book One by Liz Stone, uh, narrated by Vanessa Moyen. Yeah, it's Fallen Academy Year One. What did I say? Which is also book one, but... Oh, it's already year one. <laughs> Just, yeah. But no, yeah, that's what we're going to do next. It's uh, another audio book. So, yeah, Vanessa will be reading it to us. And uh, we hope to enjoy it and talk to you about it on our next episode. Yeah. Which, you know, we will keep recording even if we have to do Skype from now on. Yeah, <laughs> so and even not. if you have to hear my kids running and playing in the background, you guys, it's just what you're gonna get yeah that's all we can do <laughs> we're not allowed to see each other I anymore <laughs> <laughs> so all right guys well thanks for joining us um in the meantime if you want to reach out we would love to hear from you you can find us on all social media platforms well i really should never say all because there's <laughs> At least some that we don't know how to use because we're older millennials. <laughs> and so we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And that is Dirty Books for all three of those. Or you can email us at dirtybooks at gmail.com. And that is with three H's. And you can go to our website at dirtybooks.com. And find us on any podcast platform. And we've actually made a switch, and this is coming out before you guys hear this episode. <laughs> but uh, we made a switch from SoundCloud to Podbean. They're our new podcast hosting platform. So you can find us on there. You could still find us on SoundCloud where you're still there, but mainly um, iTunes would be great if you guys can go on. Subscribe, rate, and review, and then let us know how we're doing. Reach out to yeah. us. We would love to speak to you all. And thank you, Jim Townsend, for the music. Yeah. Uh, fantabulous music is the only thing consistent in all of our episodes. Yep. Um. <laughs> Everything else we do is sometimes we remember to do things and sometimes we don't. But exactly. Jim's music is there in yep. the beginning and the end every time. Yep. So, everyone, thanks. This has been fun. Episode number 59. Yay, yeah. So, <laughs> this, this is so what. <laughs> And this is Kalina, and it's super weird recording from two separate locations. Oh, so weird. Even with the Skype, I can see you, but I still talk over you. No, totally. Well, there's that delay, right? Where it's like... (laughs) This one's first. This one's first. All right. We'll see you guys later. Yeah, you've been listening to Reading Dirty Books with Kalina and Salex. Be sure to tune in to the next episode some more of your dirty books read to you. And if you're listening on a format that allows you to give a rating, please do that for them.